hail and welcome to A is for Agrimony. I am Margot, and you are listening to episode number six. Okay, I love number six. In numerology, the number six is the embodiment of the heart, standing for love, balance, and harmony. It is a perfect number, as it is the sum of all of its divisors, and it represents unconditional love and the ability to support, nurture, and heal. This is some very Mother Earth-like energy, and it holds within it a powerful force of compassion and empathy and a beacon of hope. And it can mean responsibility, security, all leading to a peaceful life at home. Who doesn't want that? So cheers to episode six. I hope you're all feeling ready for the weekend, as I know I am, as well as the new moon in Aquarius, which is happening Tomorrow, technically, if you're listening to this on Friday, tomorrow being January 21st, and the new moon is occurring at 3.53 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I absolutely love a new moon, especially one steeped in this expressive, eccentric, and freedom, excuse me, freedom craving energies of Aquarius. As we all probably know, the new moon is a great time for initiations, Um, for planting seeds and setting intentions, but the water bearer, they like to challenge the status quo because while setting intentions and putting your wishes out into the universe is great for aligning your energies with that of the universe and bringing greater meaning to your day-to-day, Aquarius says, you know what? You don't have to do any of that if you don't want to. In fact, How about we put less expectations on ourselves and be a little more gentle? Who said we have to do any of this anyway? Maybe grand schemes and big dreams are just adding a little too much pressure and we don't need it. What if we just chill and go with the flow and give ourselves some grace? What if we allow ourselves to just be? So Aquarius is a bit of a rebel, but this rebellious nature can actually lead us down a path of a little needed obstinance especially when we are still in the post-retrograde shadow period of Mars and Mercury, which sometimes may offer a little greater clarity and drive than we previously have had lately, but a lot of us are probably still feeling a little bit lacking in motivation and direction. So this new moon, I have a proposal. Fuck it. (laughs) You know? If you had a grand scheme, but you're struggling to muster up the motivation to actually execute your plan, fuck it. If you have a social obligation coming up and you've been asking yourself why you agreed to it in the first place, fuck it. And please, for the love of all that is sacred, if you're feeling like you bogged yourself down with too many to-dos and a bit too much pressure to have the perfect new moon, absolutely fuck it. It won't be the end of the world if you just give yourself some grace and take some me time and relax. Also, if you're not feeling this at all and you're absolutely ready to go with an amazing ritual for tomorrow, then fuck what I just said and good on you. Go for it. The point I'm making is to honor your inner Aquarius and the number six by keeping your own form of balance and harmony and expressing your own version of self-love and nurturing the Aquarius energy will rise up to meet you either way. Because when we return to the simpler side of life and choose to nourish, focus, and enjoy what is truly important to our souls, no matter what that is, at the end of the day, it's really the little things. So let's focus our attention there and see what good it brings. Just don't do murder or anything like that. 
All right. Now let's move on to the meat of the episode, travel and vacation magic. So I decided I would talk about vacation and travel magic today because I have a vacation coming up soon. So it's on the mind. And while all the preparations are being made, namely packing, uh, making sure my job responsibilities will be covered, cranking out some podcast episodes to schedule in advance, preparing extra content, and making sure my children will be well looked after, my dogs, that is, it's easy to forget about the spiritual nature of things. Because when I travel or vacation, I like to take a break from just about everything, the job, the responsibilities, and the worries, but not my practice which presents a challenge, not only with how to keep up with my craft when I'm away from my working altar, tools, candles, and whatnot, but how to stay in the mindset of spirituality when I'm in vacation mode. So that's where we're headed because I don't know about any of you, but I have been on vacations where I disconnected so much from my usual everyday life that when I came back, I actually had some trouble shifting back into the spiritual mindset. You know, when you feel like you need a vacation from your vacation because you're just not ready for regular life to start back up again. I think it can sometimes feel that way after going too long without giving a thought to our mindfulness and our ability to take in our surroundings from a perspective of a spiritual and grounded being. With all the excitement and the stimulation that comes with traveling, we can become disconnected from our inner alignment lose touch and forget to really stay in the moment and keep an attitude of gratitude and really feel and experience the spirit of an entirely new place. (laughs) Yes, I just said attitude of gratitude. And back to that point, I've been on vacations where that has happened. And when I got home, I felt disappointed. And like, although I had a great time, I didn't take the time to really, really appreciate the experience the way I appreciate everyday life when I'm in that spiritual mindset. So there are some ways we can keep from getting too swept up and forget to really be present and from the perspective of a witch to test our soul's development by consciously keeping up with what we find ourselves always working towards, and that's honoring our spirit selves. Needless to say, it can also help reduce the effects of stress while vacationing or our likelihood of succumbing to frustrations and murdering a loved one. I mean, arguing with a loved one. So I want to tackle some tips and suggestions for keeping our progress, our witchcraft, and our spiritual selves from slipping away the moment we head out the door with our luggage. So first is pack some things. Pack some things that help you stay anchored to your practice. These can include a book you're working through or one that always seems to make you feel closer to your craft. Maybe you have a pagan prayer book that you like to keep on or near your altar, even if you don't crack it open extremely often. Bring something like that. Another item is a set of prayer beads, mala beads, or a piece of jewelry that is meaningful to your practice. Some of us use beads or a special piece of jewelry or a favorite crystal along with some prayer, meditation, or contemplation to help us stay centered. Bring those. Your tarot or oracle deck is an item that you don't want to leave off of your packing list, especially if you're in the habit of doing a daily card pool. That's such a quick and easy way to just get back in touch with the spiritual person that lives and functions at home while you're away. And some witches travel with a miniature version of their home altar or a travel altar, which I will be discussing shortly because I'm a fan. Newly minted, but I'm a fan. So... You can also do some magical preparations like protection magic 
or anything that could use a little energetic reinforcement. Uh, prior to taking a trip, I've done spells for good weather, uh, to avoid lost luggage, to avoid getting sick while traveling, and even to help me stay positive and patient because we've all traveled with family, right? So I know some of the most typical types of travel magic is for travel safety and protection, but really you can gear your magic towards any goal you want to set for your trip. Maybe you need to stay open to new adventures, or maybe you're hoping to make a new love connection, or just want to make sure your trip is peaceful and stress or problem free. All of these are things that enhance your experience and set your mind on those important goals. I mean, we put a lot of money into vacations, right? So it's good to have your mind set on those things uh, and a little magic in advance helps us get there. Um, And it can even amp up the protection that we need while traveling. So some tips for pre-travel magic include creating a sigil. I love making sigils, and uh, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking I should probably add sigil witchery to my list of upcoming episode topics. There's a lot we can explore there, but I love to make a sigil on a small piece of paper and stash it somewhere, like in your phone case. Right in between your phone and your case is a great place for a sigil if you don't want to be bothered with trying to remember to carry an object around with you, because you know, we're all glued to our phones, even on vacation because of the camera and the maps and the addiction. So you can slip a sigil into your suitcase to help keep them from getting lost in transit uh, or put one in your shoes for a little protective shoe magic. Another idea that I love is to choose a piece of jewelry and charge it for travel protection. I have a necklace that I bought when I was in Grenada with my husband that has always felt right for wearing when I'm far away from home. So when I got it home the first time, I performed a little charging and spell work and voila, it's one of my favorite travel necklaces. Of course, I have more than one. I'm a Taurus with a Libra stellium. So you may decide to choose one that has always felt lucky or comforting to you or craft or purchase something new with special symbolism that represents what you want to achieve. Uh, I have some symbolic items coming towards the end of the episode that could be helpful if you're if you're in need of some ideas. And it doesn't have to even be jewelry. I have a fellow camper friend who camps with me, <laughs> uh, totally a witch who doesn't know it, who keeps a lucky compass with her at all times. And when I asked her why she takes it with her, even when she's only camping at a recreational campground with me where you couldn't possibly get lost... She said it was because it was comforting to have it and it made her feel safe. To that, I just smiled and nodded. Mm -hmm. One of us. One of us. So for some added protection where you're staying, you can purchase or craft your own protective spray because smoke cleansing, candles, and even sound clearing can sometimes be major no-nos depending upon where you decide to lay your head. I like to take a small, uh, three ounces or less for TSA purposes, spray bottle and fill it with sun water, same as moon water, but also the opposite, Um, a little Florida water, a few drops of rosemary oil, a sprig of something if I happen to have it on hand, and a small clear or smoky quartz. You should come up with a recipe or purchase a mixture that includes ingredients you are familiar and comfortable with or from a creator that you trust. 
Another way to help ensure you stay in tune with your craft is to create or purchase a travel altar, which I've recently, in the past year or so, grown very fond of. And here's why. So typically, whether I'm at home or in a new location, I tend to think that anywhere I can sit, be mindful, meditate, say some prayers, or possibly light up a candle and some incense is as good as an altar. At home, I have a working altar space where I do the majority of my spell or ritual work, but I will also work a spell in my kitchen or in my dining room where I do a lot of creating oils and tinctures uh, or in my bedroom where I might want to do some healing work or a spell for peace and calm. The point is my entire home is an altar and so is anywhere where I can get to work. So I never really saw the point in the mini travel altars beyond the fact that they're really cool and really adorable. That is until this past year when I went to Anahata's Purpose, which takes place on a wooded campground in Spring City, Pennsylvania every year. And I was also in the middle of a somewhat intensive course called The Sorcery of Hecate by Jason Miller. Those are both two hugely amazing things that I just packed into one sentence, and I highly recommend them both. But being part of them both at the same time presented its own challenge. So my class required me to carve out some time out of each day in a very specific way and engage in some very specific ritual, Um, not in any way inconvenient, especially since I was absolutely loving the course so much, but a few items slash tools were necessary for me to keep up the momentum. And living in a tent for a few days required me to pare down necessities as much as possible. You know how it is. You can't exactly bring a Victorian trunk to a tent site. So this is when I realized I was going to need one of those adorable little travel altars. Now, I love a creative project. So I went straight to Michael's Arts and Crafts Supply Store. I found this little unfinished wooden box about the size of a jewelry box. In fact, I think it was meant to be finished as a jewelry box. Uh, Some paints, a stencil, and from my years of being a witchy hoarder, I had pretty much everything else that I needed to create a little travel altar that was perfect for my purposes. Uh, I'm going to share some images of my creation. It's cute. I love it. Seriously. Uh, And uh, it would easily fit into my little, you know, albeit still a bit excessive, but limited for me, packing list. Uh, It was absolutely perfect, and I was able to enjoy the event without skipping a beat in my course. It's the same travel altar that I'll be bringing with me on my upcoming trip in a couple weeks, and now that I have it, especially after having added my own personal touches to it, I get it. It's kind of a lifesaver, and it will help me create a little space in my room that will feel sacred. And like I brought a little bit of what's sacred about my home with me. So my personal stance on the travel altar has changed. But to you, I still say do it only if you feel like you need it or if it could help you preserve that spiritual mindset or create a little sacred space wherever you're staying. And as I said, I love, love, love a creative project, but I know that not everyone does. And for that, we are thankful for Etsy. So upon doing just a quick search, I came across a few really amazing sellers right away. Some have travel altars that are crafted from little wooden boxes like mine. Some are converted Altoid tins and make me want to scream because they're so ridiculously cute. So the ones that I found were 
The Hunter's Moon Collective, which is a collection of artistic endeavors by Nora Sage, including Wild Moon Jewelry Collection, Mad Craft Divination, and Apothecary Supplies, and Hunter's Moon Home and Hearth. And you can find them under the store name Mad Craft PGH. They have a collection of small travel altars dedicated to Odin, Bridget, and Persephone, plus a mini coffin self-care kit. Really cute. Uh, I'm going to be including these links um, in the show notes. Uh, another one I found was a lovesick witchery, which is a witchery and perfumery specializing in custom perfumes, which had both small and large bespoke pocket altar sets. And another one was Wild Woman on Fire, an apothecary and metaphysical slash curio shop, which has mini travel size altar stash boxes that you can customize and purchase for as little as $11.95 each. They come in themes like dream magic, love, money and abundance, protection, cleansing, nightmares, fae, manifestation, or you can completely customize them. Amazing. And these are just three examples out of many And I will remember to share the links, but a quick search and you're going to have plenty of options. So finally, you can make a charm or spell bag for travel. I love these little spell bags. You know, if you see those little, you know, those little tiny drawstring bags, you can use those. You can make your own with a piece of fabric and some string, and they are very easy to tuck away somewhere. They pack a major punch. They're amazing. But instead of giving you more examples of what I would do or dictating a list of items um, that really only mean anything to me, I decided to find a couple examples. So I found one online and one in a book that I will share with you. The first one is to attract new adventures and help you more easily step out of your comfort zone from moodymoons.com. And this is dated back to January of 2018, how to make a spell bag for travel. So the items in the bag, um, which again is meant to help you attract new adventures, are as follows. A penny. Include a coin as an offering for safe passage in your travels. When you arrive at your destination, find an appropriate place and leave it behind. A fountain, a donation box, a child's piggy bank, etc. The next is a personal item. Traditional spell bags include a personal item to tie you to the bag. Hair, a photograph, a well-worn piece of jewelry, all work. Next is a piece of malachite. This stone is said to ease jet lag, smooth out business travel, and protect drivers on crowded interstates. Next is a tiger's eye. Known for promoting confidence and fiercely protective, this stone encourages bold strides outside of your comfort zone on your adventure. Followed by a sage leaf. When you travel, you typically need to make many more judgment calls about the people and situations you encounter than when you are on an autopilot situation in your home environment where most of the characters and circumstances are familiar to you. So carry a sage leaf in your spell bag to encourage wise decision making. And finally, a sprig of rosemary. This classic protection herb packs your spell bag with an extra punch, enhancing and supporting the protective energies of tiger's eye and malachite. A little pinch will do. As an added bonus, it makes your car smell amazing. Uh, Or your luggage or your pocket. And you can use dried herbs or find fresh sage and rosemary herbs in the produce section if you aren't currently growing your own. Uh, That's pretty easy if you're planning on a yummy herbaceous meal anytime soon. So... 
Next, the next spell bag comes from the aforementioned Jason Miller. He is easily one of my favorite occult authors. I have taken his Sorcery of Hecate course, which I just mentioned, uh, which was absolutely amazing. And I even met and interviewed him once, which I still geek out about. Still, I'll never stop. Uh, So in his book, Protection and Reversal Magic, a witch's defense manual, he includes a travel protection bag. And this comes directly from the text. Travel protection. Mugwort, comfrey leaves, and fennel will keep you safe during travel, warding off not only harmful energies, spirits, and spells, but the law as well. (laughs) He likes to cover his bases. So he then goes on to explain the different ways that you can charge the bag and enliven it with spirit for protection, including psalms, which some traditional American root workers might use, um, simply talking to the bag as if it were alive and giving it instructions, composing your own words to charge the bag with or reciting a chant, a prayer or phrase that is meaningful to you. A spell bag of this nature is also another great place to include a sigil that you've created on a piece of paper uh, or a slice of wood or the like. However you decide to create a charm for either adventure or protection or something else, it should be something that feels unique to you and therefore will be all the more effective for your purposes. Um, For this reason, I recommend simply going outside and feeling around for what's growing or present in your immediate vicinity especially since taking a little piece of home is one magical way to ensure a safe return. Nevertheless, I did compile a short list of correspondences for travel magic to help you attune to the energies. So some herbs include, again, comfrey. Comfrey is a highly adaptive plant that can grow in a variety of conditions requiring very little maintenance. Um, Mature plants grow an extensive root system, including a deep, taproot, which can grow up to two meters that utilize nutrients deep in the subsoil that would otherwise wash away with an underground soil water or remain completely inaccessible to most plants. This allows them to efficiently obtain nutrients and moisture from the soil in places where many other plants would struggle. In fact, many growers will trim the plants and allow the trimmings to fall to the ground where the nutrients are returned to the soil and allow other plants to absorb them. I will even sometimes add comfrey to crushed eggshells before sprinkling it around outside of my house as both protection magic and kind of an incredible fertilizer. But for this reason, because of the deep roots that allow the plant to grow and remain healthy in many different conditions, the spirit of comfrey will make an excellent addition to travel magic and travel safety and travel health and a good time. (laughs) Uh, Mugwort also. Uh, Mugwort is most often thought of in travel magic when we think of travel of the astral sort. But in herbology, it's also an incredibly calming herb and can be used for a number of digestive complaints, including travel sickness. In ancient Rome, mugwort was planted along roads and byways to make it accessible to travelers on long journeys because placing mugwort in your shoes is said to give strength and prevent sore feet when walking long distances. And later, in the Middle Ages, it was worn to protect against evil spirits. And the protective nature of mugwort has been said to guard against everything from poison to wild beasts and even sunstroke. So yes, the herb we love for prophetic dreams and divination and astral travel and spirit contact and psychic ability is also excellent for travel. 
Uh, for protective plant allies, I almost always go straight for rosemary, rue, and agrimony, of course, which is also great for health and healing. And to add some extra protection from sickness, I like to also throw in garlic. To influence sunshiny weather, try St. John's wort uh, and sunflower to activate joy. And for protection from storms, look at oak or acorn. Some amazing travel protection crystals and minerals include malachite. Uh, malachite, Malachite holds the energy to protect you from danger and accidents, can absorb negative energies and pollutants from your aura and the surrounding environment, and acts as a guardian to keep you safe. The beautiful green stone also assists in change, uh, which will help you remain calm and centered when you're moving states or countries or embarking on a new adventure. Another one is moonstone which can enhance your inner strength, balance your emotions, and soothe stress and anxiety, helping you to feel calm and confident about an upcoming trip or move. It also gives extra protection when traveling at night or across waters. Smoky quartz is another great crystal for absorbing negative energy and providing energetic protection while traveling. Smoky quartz is a grounding stone and can bring you a calming and centered sense of awareness when you are in new surroundings. And its ability to increase awareness also helps you feel more present and notice the world around you. Some more crystals that are great for travel aids include yellow jasper, amethyst, aquamarine, shungite, labradorite, black tourmaline, and hematite. Animals. So when I try to think of animal symbolism that can assist in travel, my mind immediately goes to the turtle and the goose. The turtle is a constant traveler who is safe and home no matter where he is, thanks to his protective shell. And the goose will travel far away from home for the winter, but always return with the spring. So those two animal symbols feel pretty perfect for travel safety and magic and a safe return home. Um, Some deities, spirits, and saints that you can petition for travel safety if you work with them are Hermes. He is a Greek god that is commonly, commonly associated with travel. He's a messenger god who transmits messages between Olympus and the human world. The ancient Greeks would leave offerings of strawberries and wine under a tree in their village for Hermes. So if you wish to ask him for a travel blessing, you can consider also leaving him an offering of strawberries and a poured libation of wine under a tree. Some coins could also work because he is also a god of commerce. Another one is St. Christopher, who is the patron saint of travelers that is commonly petitioned prior to setting off on a journey. Despite the fact that the Catholic Church removed 93 saints from the universal calendar and revoked their feast days during the calendar reform of 1969, including this popular saint, because so little was known about him, including whether or not he ever actually existed. It could be that he was once a pagan god who was renamed a saint during the conversion of pre-Christian peoples, like the goddess Brigid. But regardless of all that, he is still frequently called upon for travel protection by some folk, hoodoo, and conjure practitioners. And seven-day pillar candles with his image are easy enough to locate at Catholic supply stores or online. Another one is Hecate. 
She is the goddess of witches and also the crossroads, among many other things. She helped Demeter locate her kidnapped daughter, Persephone, by lighting her way through the night and the underworld with her twin torches. The ancient Greeks also often honored this deity by leaving offerings of food at crossroads or setting out a new moon feast for her and the restless dead known as a daipnon. This is also a way that you can honor her and petition her for protection and guidance. Eggs, garlic, pomegranates, apples, honey, incense, libations are all appropriate. Hecate is also very closely associated with dogs, and the Greeks would also place their leftovers after dinner outside for her hounds. Um, Chances are, however, you don't want to do the same and accidentally attract unwelcome visitors to your door. So another great way to honor Hecate and her hounds is to make a donation to your local animal shelter. Another one is Odin, known as the Great Wanderer in the Norse pantheon, the Allfather, and a god of many aspects, including travel. In Norse mythology, he is known to travel between the worlds in disguise, and therefore one should always be kind to strangers. Appropriate offerings for Odin include libations, especially mead, red wine, and hard liquor, or something you've created if you are an artist or a writer or a poet, as he was also known to be a lover of the arts. You may also choose to leave an offering out for the local crows as a token of respect for Odin's messenger crows who were known to travel the world and bring information to him. You could possibly leave a bird-friendly food for them and ask them to transmit a message to Odin from you asking for protection and guidance while traveling. So if these figures are any that you currently work with or are interested in working with or uh, you know of them already, this could be something of interest for you. Finally, and before I leave you, while you're on vacation, there are some small efforts you can make to stay connected, even if they are shortened versions of what you would normally do at home. Uh, You can set an alarm to get up just a little bit earlier before your travel partners and do a quick grounding exercise or meditation before everyone starts hustling and bustling. This will be especially beneficial if you can do so outside in your new surroundings and open yourself to the energies and the spirit of this entirely new place. At the start of your journey is also a great time to do something like this, as travel can cause all sorts of anxiety and interrupt your natural rhythms. Okay. So Patreon shout out. I'm super excited to welcome Andrea and Jessica. You guys are amazing. I'm so, so grateful for your support. I'm so, so happy to have you here. Um, I hope that you enjoy the content. I hope that you enjoy the monthly spells and the Sunday card pools and any other bonus content that I throw your way. Uh, I hope that you enjoy being a part of this little growing community. And again, thank you so much for your support. Also, if you are listening and you would like to support the podcast in some way, I would absolutely appreciate you dropping me a review. Reviews are so, so helpful to podcasts, especially small ones like mine, for helping them expand their reach and getting more listeners. So a review would mean the world. Uh, And thank you. Thank you so much. I love you all. That is all that I have for you today. Please be well and have an amazing day weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of A is for Agrimony, coffee-stained notes on witchcraft. If you want some more content, please go to www.aisforagrimony.com where you can find my blog, episode archive, spells and rituals, and the soon-to-come coven shop. 
You can also follow me on Instagram at a underscore is underscore for underscore agrimony. That's an underscore in between every word. Or like my Facebook page at facebook.com slash a is for agrimony. And if you're interested in some exclusive insider bonus content, you can join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash a is for agrimony, where I share unedited video format episodes, weekly collective card readings, and much more. Want to contact me? Shoot an email to reachmargo at a is for agrimony.com. That is all. Be well and talk to you next time. When I went to Anahata's Purpose, uh, and fuck, <laughs> my stomach growling really threw me off. Hold on. Ah! Okay. That is until this past year when I went to Anahata's Purpose, which takes place on a wooded campground in Spring City, Pennsylvania every year.